What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode three of the Trench Warfare Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Thorne, and I have a fun show planned for you today. I'm going to touch on NFL free agency related to offensive linemen, give you some guys that I like, you know, some of the players that I like the most in this upcoming class, at least as it stands right now. And I'm going to be going off of Roto World's NFL free agency list put together by Evan Silva, which I highly recommend. It's kind of my go-to website to track all these guys. But really, I mean, NFL free agency doesn't start until March 13th. March 5th is the deadline for franchise tags. So until March, we're really not going to know exactly who is going to be in the free agency class. But still, I'll touch on some guys. I'll give you some tackles, guards, centers that I like in this class. And of course, we have the NFL Combine, the scouting combine coming up before that. So I'll also talk here shortly to you about some college guys that I like as well on the offensive line. Hopefully give you some defensive linemen too, but right now I'm just behind on on my film study in terms of college guys, just focusing on a lot of NFL films, still wrapping up some guys' years that I didn't really get to see, especially in this free agency class. So really just trying to kind of narrow down what guys do well, what guys struggle at, and just watching matchups and different things from their seasons so I can be better educated you know, to talk to you about what this class looks like. So we'll we'll get started right there. NFL free agency is really one of my favorite times of the year. You know, I'm all things NFL. I, I watch college football uh, really just to get in, a look at some prospects. But for the most part, I'm I'm NFL. You know, I love. I'd rather talk about NFL free agency than NFL draft. Honestly, just because that's where all the good film is at. To be honest, I mean, if I had an endless supply of all 22 film of college guys, I'd probably be more into it than I am. Although I do have some access to that, I don't have as much as I would like. So I just gravitate. That's partly why I gravitate towards the NFL because I could watch any player, any snap from any season dating back to 20 or 2009. So I love that. But with that being said, this free agency class, in my opinion, I think this is a really good class, especially considering the last couple of years, really last year. I mean, you had guys like Nate Solder who, you know, broke the bank and really, you know, I believe he became the highest paid offensive lineman in NFL history. And I know that's kind of the way that the league is going right now with the rising salary cap. Each year, the contracts given out are going to eclipse the previous year with guys. It's not a testament to how good a guy is necessarily. It's more so just the way the cap is and NFL linemen I mean right now offensive linemen they're so highly coveted and the supply doesn't meet the demand so guys are naturally going to get pushed up in value with that being said this class of free agents is is really impressive if this is what actually hits free agency which you know we'll see if that happens but I just wanted to touch on uh, each position group generally, so offensive tackle, offensive guard, center, and really give you kind of my top three to five guys at each position, a little blurb on them, and then later on in this offseason before March, we'll really dive into these guys, and I'll have some guests on to talk about that. But first, I think we have to talk about who, in my opinion, is going to be the best offensive lineman in, in the free agent class, and that's Trent Brown. He just got off starting 16 games in 2018 at left tackle for the first time in his career for the Super Bowl champion Patriots. He played the best year of his career. He played. He's played four seasons so far. He has 44 career starts, 26 at right tackle, 18 at left tackle. So he could play either one. 
And I think if you have a guy right now who can play left tackle, right tackle with pretty much equal effectiveness, uh, maybe even better at left tackle now, especially coming off last year, he can upgrade, I think, at least 20 to 25 teams day one just walking on the field at, at either spot. So he's going to be highly coveted. He's going to be 26 years old, week one of 2019. So he's young. I don't think that the Patriots are going to retain him because it's going to cost an arm and a leg to do so. And they have Isaiah Wynn, a first-round pick last year, waiting in the wings. So I would expect Trent Brown to hit free agency. And he's he's by far, in my opinion, the top target for teams. So for offensive tackle, Trent Brown is one. And then I'm looking at Daryl Williams from the Carolina Panthers, who will be 27 years old, so still another young guy. He has only 29 starts in four years, though. So he started 16 games once, and that was in 2017. And he only started one game last year before going on IR with an injury. So that is something to keep in mind. He was very good in 2017 that he put together the best year of his career then. He really, that was the first time he really started full time, and he was very solid out there. A very good run blocker, solid pass protector in my opinion. Definitely somebody that you want to put into a, a predominantly a, a gap scheme, but somebody who can do a little bit of everything. So he's going to be valued, I think. He's young, but with offensive linemen, I really track how many starts they have had, how many appearances they've had, because you want to track their durability and how dependable they are. That's huge with offensive linemen. I mean, that's one of the biggest things that scouts look for, and rightfully so. You have to be available as an offensive lineman to be effective. I mean, to be for any position, but offensive linemen, there's more emphasis on durability there, I think, than maybe any other spot. So those would be my top two tackles. And then it gets interesting. I think that's kind of tier one. But if you're looking at just 2019, maybe 2020, for a guy, I, I love Ty Neschke. And I hope that I'm saying that name right. But he's a guy I've been watching for three or four years now. If you recall, I, I did a video. If you follow me on Twitter at Brandon Thorne NFL, I did a breakdown with John Ledyard over from the Draft Network a couple years ago when Neschke all of a sudden came in out of nowhere to me for Trent Williams, played left tackle and shut down Clay Matthews. And just he played very well in that game and really opened up my eyes to his game. And I've been tracking him ever since. He's a fascinating player. He's going to be 33 years old in 2019, week one. So he's on the older side, and that's why I said if you're just looking for a one- to two-year type deal, I think you you have to look at this guy for a left tackle spot as kind of a filler. Somebody who can also play guard, also play right tackle, but I like him most at left tackle. He's only has five NFL seasons under his belt because he bounced around for, from from numerous NFL teams early on in his career, but he played in the AFL and uh, the AF2 league, which is sort of like AFLB, you know, it's uh, it's just fascinating the the career track this guy's had. But he only has 16 career starts to his name. He's appeared in 56 games though as a pro. So somebody I'm very intrigued with. He's a huge guy with very long arms, good feet. He's athletic and he's just, he's technically sound. He plays smart. I, I really like the way he plays. So those would be my top three initially. But then, I mean, there's there's guys like Donovan Smith, who I've seen recently that Tampa is most likely going to franchise him. He's the youngest of this group that I like. He's only 25. He hasn't missed a game in his career. He's four years in. He's had 64 straight starts. That's going to be valuable, and I think the Bucks know that. And he's gotten a little bit better each year, but still, I think his talent hasn't matched his production yet. 
I think he can be better than he has been since he's entered the league. There's some inconsistencies there that I think are a little bit concerning, but still, if you look at the landscape of tackle play, he's going to be highly coveted, so I think Tampa will, will probably hold on to him with that franchise tag. And then you got some other names that we'll talk about at a later date, you know, Juwan James, Bobby Massey, even Greg Robinson coming off the best year of his career in Cleveland, so he's intriguing. He'll only be 26, so... Those are some tackle names to look out for. And then we go to guard. I'll just kind of briefly run through these guys. I really think there's a tier one group, and that's uh, Ramon Foster and Roger Saffold. They're both 30-plus, but they each have 110-plus career starts. And I really like, I mean, Saffold's only missed two games since 2016. Ramon Foster hasn't had less than 14 starts since 2010. So these are older guys, but they're very, very dependable, durable guys. They bring a certain mindset and presence to the field and also the offensive line room. I think those guys are going to be very valuable on the open market if they do indeed hit. And uh, I'd really want either of those guys for the next probably two, three, four years, depending on, you know, I mean, Saffold maybe a little longer just because he's two years younger. But either way, highly valuable guards, I think. They're left guards. Uh, and then we go, there's a, uh, you know, another tier below that. Quentin Spain, DJ Fluker, AJ Can. Those are guys that I would look at next. We'll talk about them more in depth in another episode. And then centers, I think Matt Paradis is your number one guy. I think he's the second best offensive lineman in the free agent class below Trent Brown. I mean, Matt Paradis is a guy who's been very consistent for the Denver Broncos in his career. He's a leader on the interior of that offensive line in terms of work ethic, attitude. He's scheme versatile, in my opinion. So he's a plug-and-play guy that, you know, could set up. He could be the pivot for, you know, and an upgrade at the pivot for more than half of the NFL teams uh, out there. I'd say closer to 20, 25. You know, he's, he's right in the mix of one of the better centers in the league. And he's going to be 29 years old. He's coming off a, a big injury, but I, I still w- would highly value him on the open market. And then Mitch Morse, I hope Denver retains him, by the way, but Mitch Morse would be next. He's going to be 27 years old, uh, week one, 2019. Man, if you go back and want to watch, if you want to watch some fun center tape, watch Mitch Morse in 2016 for the Chiefs. He was incredible. And I was very excited about him. And then he dealt with a lot of injuries the last couple of years. Hasn't been quite the same player. Although at the end of 2018, I think you started to see a little bit of that. But still, he's only 27. And he played left tackle in college. He's six foot five, six foot six. Unique body type for a center, I think, but very athletic. And I hope that he can continue to regain that athleticism that made him so special in space in that 2016 tape. And then after that, I have to mention Nick Easton. Some people might have him as a guard, but he originally came into the league as a center, as an undrafted player. He didn't play center in Minnesota because they had Pat Elfline, so he played left guard. He has 11 starts at left guard, six at center, so only 17 career starts. But an intriguing player, somebody I really like. I like his game, especially in his own scheme. He's a little undersized, but he's quick, athletic, tough, plays with good technique, good hand usage. Really, he's a, he's a, a really good player in terms of leverage. He, he really understands leverage well, plays with good leverage, uh, and he's very competitively tough. I mean, he'll get after you as well. So somebody who's a lot of fun to watch on tape, in my opinion, who hasn't been able to put it together yet, but is young enough to where I think he can. 
So those are, would be my top three centers. So that's just kind of a, a brief introduction to the NFL, you know, free agency class for offensive linemen. I wanted to touch on that. You know, we still we have some things happening in terms of free agency. You know, Spencer Long just signed with the Buffalo Bills just yesterday, I believe. So the Jets cut him. Spencer Long went to Buffalo. They need a lot of help on their offensive line, so I think that's a good signing. Signed him to a three-year, $13 million contract. He had some really good tape uh, a couple years ago with the Redskins at center, Um, so he could also play guard. So that's somebody who just is on the move early on here in the the offseason. And I just wanted to also give a shout-out to former Carolina Panthers center Ryan Khalil who just retired he's going to retire you know now after that 2018 year I mean this is a guy he's probably not a hall of famer but he's close he's going to be in the hall of very good I think I mean he has 145 career starts at center he's been he's been a rock on that offense for 12 years you know well really 11 years he um, had a couple injury plagued years in 2016 2017 went out this year in 2018 with 16 starts. I mean, that's impressive given his age and given the the miles on his body. But if you want to see some fun tape too, go back to 2015. That's kind of right around when I started watching all 22 film offensive linemen. The interior offensive line of that 2015 Carolina Panthers team got after people at a level that is is seldomly matched in NFL offensive line play with Ryan Khalil leading the way. We had Tri Turner at right guard and Andrew Noel left guard. They were just mauling people. So that was a lot of fun. And Khalil has just been, he's been such a good center for such a long time. So we salute him. You know, he's going out as as one of the better centers to play the game, uh, multiple time, uh, multiple all pro, pro bowler. So yeah, great career and just awesome to see awesome to be able to watch him you know over the course of the last you know four or five years so really learned a lot about what good center play looks like in the NFL with that all being said I wanted to take you guys now to a special interview that I have with Detroit Lions right guard TJ Lang I'm joined by Detroit Lions right guard TJ Lang and for those of you who don't know, Lang entered the NFL in 20, excuse me, 2009 as a fourth-round pick out of Eastern Michigan. He's a 10-year veteran with 113 career starts. He's made multiple Pro Bowls, and he won a Super Bowl as a member of the Packers. So with that said, uh, what's up, TJ? How are things going this offseason? How's it going pretty well, Brandon? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. It's a, it's an honor to have you on. I'm, you know, I'm a, a big NFL history buff and you know anybody who's contributed to the game you know as long as you have and you know I mean if you've done anything professionally for 10 years I think there's a lot to glean from somebody in your position I mean you've seen a lot you've played against a lot of great players and you know it's just awesome to get to talk to you about some of these details that I don't think a lot of people get to hear especially from offensive lines so this is awesome yeah no doubt I mean it's been a been an incredible journey so far thinking back when I was a kid at Eastern Michigan you know I never could have dreamed about having a 10-year career and hopefully add on a couple more it's been an incredible journey yeah for sure and you know Eastern Michigan that's kind of where I wanted to start because I think it's really interesting the way that you got your start playing offensive line you know you were at Eastern Michigan as a defensive lineman and I believe you played in all 11 games as a freshman as a defensive lineman before making that switch um, as a sophomore to the offensive line so 
I was just curious about that process, what that was like for you and how receptive you were to that initially when they asked you to do that. I was an all-state defense lineman in high school, and I always felt like I was a better offensive lineman, <laughs> to be honest with you. I, I didn't really know why I, I wasn't getting recruited to be an offensive lineman. I think uh, a lot of teams that were talking to me, a lot of coaches, they, they, I was about 250 at the time. I think they uh, were a little hesitant. They didn't think maybe I could, uh, you know, add add on the weight and uh, and hold it well. So Eastern ended up being my only offer. They wanted me as a defensive lineman. Yeah, I went in as 255, 260 pounds. My first game of my true freshman year, I was 17 years old. I didn't even turn 18 yet. I was starting against Cincinnati, and it was an ass-kicking, man. I got tossed around quite a bit, and uh, it made me kind of rethink uh, what I was doing over on the defensive side of the ball. But stayed there for the rest of the year, you know, played a little bit here and there. Uh, I was kind of the third guy in on the rotation. And the first day of camp my sophomore year, you know, we had a couple – offensive lineman that graduated a couple guys that didn't return to the program we were a little bit thin and uh, so the coaches basically asked two of us defensive tackles uh, they said you know we need one of you to move over and I happen to be the youngest one but uh, with my background of you know feeling that was a strength of mine in high school I was I was like hell yeah man I'll, I'll do it you know I'll jump over there and I thought it was going to be an easy training camp I thought it was going to be a transition like hey you're going to take a couple reps you're going to learn uh, let's work on some individual, but it's basically going to be a, a little uh, adjustment period where, you know, we're going to kind of catch up to speed. I, I was wrong. I was starting right tackle the first day. And it was, uh, it was just a landslide, man. It was a lot to learn in very little time, but looking back on it, man, yeah, just a, a life changing moment for me to get to where I am today. So uh, it was just, uh, it was an incredible time, you know, a lot of unknown at the time, but looking back on it it was obviously I think one of the best moves I've ever made in my life yeah I think that's a fair assessment for sure considering where you're at now and you know from that moment on in college uh, I believe you went on to start 30 36 straight games the next three years at offensive tackle at 10 at right 26 at left so I believe that's correct and that's you know that's impressive to play you know the majority of your college career I guess at left tackle and uh, you know that, that it kind of makes me think there's been other teams you know, such as the Seahawks, who have attempted to switch defensive linemen over to offensive linemen from that college to pro transition. And, you know, they've had mixed results at best, I think. So what do you think are some of the keys in making that switch, you know, as successfully as you did and just for other guys in general? Yeah, I think some of the keys are obviously, like, you have to learn a whole different world of fundamentals and technique and Luckily for me, you know, like I'm not trying to downplay the Mid-American Conference, but I wasn't going against NFL players when I made the transition. You know, I wasn't going against first round, second round guys. I mean, I was going against MAC players, which which also helped kind of speed up the transition and, and, and built the confidence in what I was doing. But, you know, I think the biggest factor, that the biggest uh, kind of asset that I had that, you know, I, I was able to build on and, and succeed at was just, the, the, the aggression, you know, I had the built-in aggression, the built-in physicality from playing defensive line. I had that kind of fight or flight kind of mentality where, you know, it's just me one-on-one. -on -one. I got to go beat this guy across from me. I had that, I had that aggression. And I think that really kind of paid off when I went to the offensive side of the ball too. It was kind of like, you have that mentality of, 
I can't lose. You know, if I lose, I'm I'm a bad player. I can't afford to have one bad snap. I got to go out there and I got to do whatever I have to do to win. You know, regardless of the technique, I don't care if my footwork's bad. I don't care if my hand placement's bad. Find a way to get it done. And that's the mindset that I had early on, and uh, really carried with me my whole career. You know, it's kind of a, a something that has stood out to me. That's kind of the building block of. Uh, where my kind of aggression comes from, where the physicality comes from, was was that time playing on the defensive side of the ball. And the big difference, though, is obviously when you're a defensive lineman, if you have, you know, you could you could get thrown across the field 65 times. If you have two good plays, you have three big plays. I mean, that's that's looked on as a good game. If you're a offensive lineman, you have two or three really bad plays. I mean, that's you know, you're not going to be around for very long. So I think it just really came down to the consistency there. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, that brings me to when you got into the NFL and you went to Green Bay and just that room, that offensive line room that you went to was fascinating when you look at it. I mean, in terms of talent, but also as a very veteran groom, uh, room, excuse me, with guys like Chad Clifton, you know, Mark Tauscher, yeah. Tackle, Darren College, Scott Wells. I mean, all these guys, even they played 10 plus years in the NFL. A lot of those guys, their entire career with the right. Packers. So, you know, with that veteran presence and then a guy like Josh Sitton was there who just got there the year prior, that that was a really good mix, I think, you know, of, of players there. What was that like being in that room? And, you know, did you pull anything from those guys that kind of stuck with you the rest of your career? Yeah, absolutely. I think I really was uh, very lucky to end up where I did in Green Bay. Just just with the, with the type of players we had in there, just the dynamic that that room had. I mean, you, when you're when you're going through the scouting combine and you're doing all this stuff, and everybody's telling you, you know, these guys are they can get a little little angry with you sometimes because they don't want these young guys coming and taking their jobs. I mean, I couldn't, I, it, they couldn't have been more wrong. You know, when I stepped into that room, there was nothing but just hands-on help from everybody. And I've got a guy, you know, like Chad and and Mark and, you know, Scott Wells, the guys that have been there for a little while, they're kind of teaching me and they're helping me along the process. And it's just kind of like, you sit back and you're like, man, everybody told me you guys were just going to be, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you're going to be reluctant to help. And it was just like, no, man, this is just how we do it here. And I know it's done like that across the majority of the league. Guys want to help with young players. And that just taught me a lot about being a professional and just being a team guy. You know what I mean? Because it was like Chad was up there in years. He was 10 or 11 years. Mark was the same. I think Chad kind of knew that it was going to be tough for him to play a whole season, which, you know, which ended up kind of coming true. I mean, I had to play three games in his spot, um, but I couldn't have done it without his help, man. You know, I was picking his brain every single day in the meeting room, every single day at practice. I'm, I'm watching his sets. I'm like, how do you do that? You got to teach me, you know? And he's, he's like, yeah, I've got a little bit of a different set. You know, Chad had a, Chad had a sweet set. We used to call it, but they they just kind of threw little pieces of their games at me, but in reality, they're like, you got to be your own player, man. You can pick up a few things from, from what we do. We'll teach you, but you got to mold into your own player. You can't go out there and try to replicate, you know, what I'm doing or what Tausch is doing or what Scott's doing. You got to be your own player. If you pick up a few things that help out, then, you know, that that's that's a bonus. But it was just an incredible dynamic to go into, man. I, I think it just made it a lot of fun. I, I learned so much as, as a guy who sat for two years behind those guys, watching them play, watching them win a Super Bowl, really kind of develop the hunger and the thirst inside my competitive self that I want to do what these guys are doing, man. I want to do something special, what they've done, and I want to, I want to be a starter while I'm doing it. 
Right. That's awesome. Yeah. It sounds like they really more than anything just taught you about how to how to act as a pro, like you mentioned, and just be be that kind of presence in the in the room or whatnot. And it seems like yeah, even yeah, today, no doubt. no doubt, you're kind of in that role, you know, with the Lions. I mean, or at least you were the last couple of years, you know, being the veteran in the room as have you thought back to that time and just kind of how it's funny now you're in sort of their position with guys on on the line you're in now or the room you're in now yeah I do I mean it's really been like that probably the last three years I think the last year in Green Bay I had in 2016 maybe was the first time I felt it because that was the first time that I didn't have uh, Josh sitting next to me and I kind of used to look at him as hey you're the old guy man I know I'm close to you but (laughs) you're the guy you know I'm not that guy yet uh, when he left, you know, I kind of got thrown in that position. I was ready for it, but yeah, it was kind of the first time where it's like, man, like this, this went by so fast, you know, <laughs> it felt like just yesterday I was sitting in their chairs and I was the one asking the questions and, and I was the one, you know, asking to, uh, for a little bit extra study time with the older guys. I mean, it's just, uh, it's crazy how fast time goes, but yeah, I mean, I, I take that as a, it's, it's, first of all, it's an incredible honor, you know, to be a guy that, you know, the young guys can come to and ask questions like when, this year when, when Frank Ragnow is coming up to me and he's asking me questions, he's asking to watch film, he's asking about certain techniques I do. I mean, I, I really like, I'm really proud of that. You know, I'm really, it's really an honor that these guys would, would choose me to come up to and ask these questions to, because I've never really looked at myself as a, you know, a, a superstar type player. I mean, I've, I've, I've done grunt work for 10 years and I've taken a lot of pride in it, but it's a lot of validation, I guess, is what it is, man. It shows you that, you know, you've been doing things the right way. Guys obviously want to learn from you. They're excited to uh, kind of be a part of what you're doing. And I just take it as a tremendous honor. And we've, we've got a young group here in Detroit, and uh, it's just been great, man. It makes me feel young every single day I walk into that room. And, you know, I don't really have anybody else that's going through the same things I do with the aches and the pains and the 10 years of wear and tear. So it, it prevents me from kind of complaining about it a little bit, which I guess masks it and kind of makes it go away. So those guys make me feel young. And it's it's a, it's a really good group to be around, man. A lot of great personalities and, and guys that just, uh, we I think we gel well, well together. I think a lot of the same personalities with as far as, uh, you know, common goals and and just what we enjoy doing off the field. I think, it, you know, it, every old line room you go into, I mean, there's an opportunity to make friends uh, friends for life. And I think I've been lucky to have that both teams I've played for. Yeah, that's that's so cool. That's one of the, the things that I love about offensive line play, just as an outsider the most, is that camaraderie that you get a sense of that, you know, in the offensive line room. It it kind of reminds me of, you know, when I was in the military. I mean, the, the camaraderie that you have, you know, in that sort of group, it's very close knit. And, you know, like you said, friendships that last a lifetime. I just, that's the one thing I miss about it. And I'm sure, you know, from what I've heard, that's a lot of, of what, uh, you know, offensive linemen and football players in general miss about the game when they leave it is that camaraderie and that, you know, the relationships. So that's, that's awesome to hear for sure. And, you know, something that I think is so interesting about your career is you've played pretty much, I think, all five positions on the offensive line at one point or another. I believe you filled in even at center in 2013 uh, briefly, you know, so you've played literally all five positions. Not many guys playing, period, can say that. So that's that's a really cool thing, you know, an honor that, you know, you've had in your career, I think, that is underrated. And then you also mentioned, you know, you've done the grunt work, you know, you've had 
you fought through a lot of injuries in your career, had, you know, off-season surgeries and stuff like that. And, you know, last year was really the first year, I believe, since 2010 where you didn't start at least 13 games. So that's, you know, know, testament to, to your durability as well. But playing, you know, all five positions on the offensive line, do you feel like that has, you know, helped you at the position you play now at right guard, just being able to probably maybe see things, you know, more, you know, from a broader perspective than maybe somebody who's played guard their entire career? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, before I get into that, here's an interesting nugget. I've actually played seven positions in an NFL game. <laughs> All five offensive line I've played, uh, you know, extra tight end as a blocker, and then I've got about 10 or 12 snaps as playing D-tackle in uh, some oh, short, short yard and goal line situation. So I don't mean to undermine you with the five, but you no, know, that that's... seven is a pretty good number. I like that too. But, you know, back to your question, I think, yeah, I mean, it really understand. It helps you understand just the the schemes and, and the context of the of the blocking schemes. Just kind of where the weaknesses are, where where maybe a little bit more help. What what might be a little bit vulnerable position on on each play. I think you understand the difficulty of every position across the board. You know, center was the only position that I didn't actually have a start at. I, I played about sixty or so snaps there in a game kind of filling in reserve duty, but every other position I've got at least two starts at, which is, you know, pretty incredible, just the versatility to, to be able to go out there. And I'm not going to say I enjoyed playing every position. I mean, <laughs> tackle was difficult for me, but you got to find a way to go out there and get it done. But yeah, it, it gives you appreciation for what everybody else is doing on the line. You know, I think for a long time, I used to give the center some hell because you, you look over and it's like, man, all your pass blocks, you're, you're just double teaming somebody. You're going to slide. And do you, have you ever had a one-on-one? You know, you're giving them hell a little bit uh, and, until you have to go play that position. You're like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to, I don't ever want to put my hand on the ball again. You know, I'm good over here at guard. <laughs> so it helps, it helps build a, an appreciation for the difficulty in, in each task that each guy's assigned. And it just makes you respect the, the, the level of creativity you have to have and the level of, of uh, skill you have to have to play each one of those. You know, I've played left tackle, I think by far was the toughest that I've played. Uh, you know, just being on an island and, and you're going against guys that are fast. I mean, they're strong. It's like, man, it's just, it's just, it can be a little bit uh, overwhelming at times. But playing that position, I tell you, man, I never give the left tackles hell anymore. It's like, dude, I know you got a tough job. I've done it. You know, when you've done something and you've seen how hard it can be, it makes you realize that how special you have to be to play those positions. So it's just, a, it was a great key. I mean, for me to have, I know coming out of the draft, I, 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 there weren't a lot of teams that knew what I was going to play. So I really had to have that versatility in my back pocket and it ended up coming to fruition, you know, throughout my career, I had to play each spot, each given time. I mean, spot start here, spot, go get a series here or there. And I think it's just a tribute to, uh, you know, having that mindset of just doing whatever you got to do for the team, man, going out there and getting it done. So just that, definitely something I'm, I'm, I'm pretty proud of, uh, you know, throughout my career. I, I don't think many guys, it's hard to do so I, I don't think I don't think a lot of guys have done that and it's it's definitely extremely hard yeah that's definitely something you should be proud of that not a lot of guys have done for sure and you know I really started watching your game in 2014 that's when I started watching film actual film and the thing that I noticed you know right away and you know Duke Manningweather and I, I know you know him and you've been on the uh, block him up podcast a couple of years ago with Jeff Schwartz and I, I listened to that pod and heard, you know, kind of how you, you know, heard you talk about your game and stuff and how it was similar to Josh Sitton's. And that's something that me and Duke talked about back in 2014 was like, 
man, both of you guys set so aggressively on guys so consistently, you know, really like that firm kind of jump set. And I would imagine that probably partly played why it was so difficult to go to left tackle because you can't really do that, you know, as much. Right. And it probably really changed, you know, how you had to play the game, which, you know, I know you mentioned, but the, the way that you played, you know, where did that come from? And is that something that you and Josh like actively talked about, you know, that you were going to do it this way or did it just, you know, coincidentally just fit both of your games perfectly? And because it seemed like you both like had a very similar sort of style, at least in pass protection. We actually went through a little bit of a tough transition in 2013. I had been a starter at left guard for a couple of years. Josh was a starter at right guard for a couple of years. 2013, there was a plan to switch the tackles. They wanted Belaga to switch to left tackle, and they wanted the guards to move with them because I, I think Josh and, and Brian just had a, a really incredible chemistry. They didn't want to split those guys up, so the t- two guards ended up <laughs> getting thrown in the mix too, and it's like – Oh man, like this, this, people don't realize how hard this is just from going from a, a left-handed stance to a right-handed stance to which is my dominant hand to which, uh, how do I, you know, how do I zone to the left now out of this stance? It, it, it was, it's, I mean, it took an incredible amount of time uh, before I think both of us got comfortable in what we were doing. And, and that, I think that's probably where it started uh, kind of helping each other out because I would watch film of Josh playing right guard he'd watch film of me playing left guard. And it's like, I, I just, I can't, I need to see it done. You know, I need to see it done in, in a good way in a, in, a, in a, a consistent way. And I just need that visual so I can go out there and practice and I can replicate it. So I think we helped each other out a lot, uh, you know, kind of going through those new positions. Uh, Josh, I would say uh, the, the thing that I think, I think the only thing that really differentiated us was he was just incredibly patient, you know, with his hands. I mean, it was really hard for guys to, get into his chest and to swat his hands away. He had incredible patience uh, that just used to frustrate the hell out of guys. I think I was the guy that was like, I'm going to set the same way, but I'm throwing my hands, you know, I'm throwing, I gotta, I gotta get, I gotta get my punch out there. I gotta get, I gotta get on that breastplate so I can control the defender. But um, yeah, I think where my aggression came from, to be honest with you, because when I think back to playing left guard, I used to be more of a soft setter. I used to be a little bit more vertical, kind of getting off the ball, a little bit more patience. When I got to right guard, uh, we actually, I think it was, t- it was 2013, I want to say it was, uh, we had a rookie D tackle by the name of Mike Daniels. And this dude had just such incredible power and incredible bull rush. That's like, I can't, I can't set back off the ball or he's going to pop me and I'm going to be in the quarterback's lap. So I kind of had to teach myself how to be more aggressive and be more firm uh, but to do it under control, I think, was the hardest part. So I, I really – I kind of credit Mike Daniels in, the, in the <laughs> developing uh, me as, as an aggressive kind of firm setter uh, because it's like I, I'm, I'm sick of getting bull rushed by this dude. It ain't happening again. I don't care if i got to go run block him on third and ten. I'm doing it, you know. And then from there you kind of develop uh, the patience. You kind of develop the footwork a little bit. I mean, it was really nothing – it was nothing that was taught to me. You know, I was never taught how to jump set. I was never taught how to firm aggressive set because I think so many guys are afraid of just whiffing right at the line that uh, they'd rather, you know, kind of give yourself a little bit of space and, you know, give, give, give by yourself a little bit of at one extra second, you know, before contact. I, I, I wasn't like that. And it was just something that throughout time just kind of developed, you know, and it's hard to explain because it's like, I was just so afraid of getting bull rushed that I just wanted to go at guys instead of setting off the ball. Um, and you just kind of develop it, man. You watch it, you practice it, you, you go through game tape. I mean, endless hours of game tape and practice tape. And you're like, ah, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm going to try this out a little bit different. You know, maybe I'm going to try this. And you just, you just find the, 
find a comfort zone and I ended up finding that probably right around 2014 I think was kind of the first time where uh, I felt that I was consistently playing at a high level and I think that was the first year where I felt uh, you know I, I would have guys come up to me all the time and ask me about my jump set and ask me about my punch and ask me about you know my footwork and I'm like dude it's hard it's really hard to explain man you know it's just something that just came natural to me kind of that fight or flight mentality of, you know, I, I ain't going to get pushed back. I'm going to do it this way. And you got to find, you know, throughout time, you find the weaknesses and the vulnerable vulnerable spots of where you can get beat while you're setting that way. And, you know, you use those to your advantage. And I think that's something that um, has really been a strength of my game, especially throughout the past uh, probably four or five seasons. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the, the last question that I have for you, um, I really appreciate all the time is, you know, you've played against a ton of great players in your career. I was just watching film today before the podcast of you in 2012 playing against the 49ers and like Justin Smith, you know, so I think of, I think of guys like that, you know, are there, are there like two or three guys or one or two or somebody, you know, some matchups that stand out to you over the course of your career where they were especially difficult for you or just maybe fun or just, just matchups that you'll always remember when you, you know, when you call it a career. Yeah, I, I think uh, it's funny you brought up Justin Smith because I think he's the first guy that always comes to mind when people ask me, you know, who's the best I've gone against. Uh, probably a combination of him being in his prime and me being a young pup. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, that combination makes it seem a little bit bigger. Uh, but he was he was truly one of the one of the most dominant players, uh, interior defensive lineman for for probably four or five years there, um, towards the end of his career. I mean, it was just. It was so frustrating, man. You could, just the power, the way he would grab you and kind of bear hug you, and just when you thought you had him blocked, I mean, there goes the TE stunt with Alden Smith coming inside, and you're like, uh, I, I hope the ball's gone. You know, there's nothing I could do. Uh, that was that was definitely a matchup where you used to stay up, you know, long hours into the night, kind of thinking about it. I mean, it was. It, it, I'm not going to say it was fear, but it was like this guy's got potential to to make me look really, really bad and ruin this game. And I think the first, you know, one of the first games I watched was, uh, I wanted to say they played the uh, the Saints in the playoffs the year before that, and Justin Smith was just like, I mean, Carl Nix and Jari Evans were kind of the, the, the go-to guys at guard at the time. I mean, they were the best duo in the league for a long period of time. And just, I, I just saw Justin Smith kind of lifting both those guys off their feet, and I'm like, all right, if he's doing that to Jari and Carl, I'm like, I, I got a lot of work to do. You know, I got, <laughs> I got to be ready for this guy. So he definitely sticks out. I think the years of playing Sue definitely sticks out. Um, you know, that was a that was a big time rivalry for a few years. Uh, I think now, more recently, I think about playing uh, Akeem Hicks. You know, in Chicago, who's a guy that I still feel. I think he made his first Pro Bowl this year. Uh, you know way past due. I mean, I think that guy's been underrated for a long time. I think he's gotten better every single year. And I think he's just, he's that type of guy, man, that's just like, he's got, for a guy that's, you know, 350 pounds, you're like, okay, like, all I got to do is just sit on his bull rush. You know, I just got to stop the power. And he's just got so many extra just secondary and, and, and third moves that he goes to that you're just like, geez, man, he's relentless, you know, and I've had, I've had a good, good, a big time share of battles with him too he's definitely a guy that that, that sticks out on my mind as a guy that i respect uh i respect his game a lot i think he's a hell of a player and we've, we've definitely had a lot of great battles i've only played against aaron donald once and i hope it stays that way because that guy's just uh he, he's just a 
he's a freak, man. I mean, everything's been documented about what he can do and how he changes the games. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really not fun when you have to go against a guy that caliber, but um, you know, those first three guys I mentioned, I think probably stick out as, as you know, the, just had a, a lot of great battles with throughout the years. Um, you know, two of them being division opponents. So you see them twice a year and uh, those are battles that, that, that you're going to, you're going to remember for a long time. And I think it was, most of those battles um, were, were out of respect. You know, there were guys that I could go up to after the game and I could talk to and I could shake hands. And, and I think we kind of both respected each other's games and it, it made the rivalry a little bit more fun. So I, th- I think those guys, those guys definitely stood out. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Thank you for, for that, for the stories, uh, for the time. I know we went a little longer than anticipated, but I really appreciate you taking the time in the off season and, you know, just best of luck moving forward. I'm going to be, you know, rooting for you to continue your career for another few years, however long you want to do it. Uh, it's been fun watching you. And yeah, just again, thank you for taking the time. Yeah, absolutely. No problem, Brandon. Thanks for having me on. All right, guys, we've got an announcement to make. Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, travel blade cover. You get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for $3. Life can be stressful, but getting life insurance shouldn't be. That's why there's Ethos. Ethos is a modern kind of life insurance that's super fast, incredibly affordable, and very uncomplicated. At GetEthos.com, there's no medical exams for policies covering under a million dollars, no hours of paperwork, or meetings with pushy representatives. It only takes 10 minutes to apply, and you can rest assured knowing you've taken steps to protect your family, and in most cases with Ethos, you can have that peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee a day with no hidden fees. Having life insurance can free you from stress. Getting life insurance shouldn't cause it. Discover how uncomplicated life insurance can be at Ethos. Get your free instant quote and submit your complete application in minutes. Just go to getethos.com. That's ethos, E-T-H-O-S, getethos.com, getethos.com. All right, everybody, I hope you enjoyed that interview with TJ Lang. I thought he was great. I mean, he was so insightful into his career and what and the stories and the foundation of what has made his career so successful beginning at Eastern Michigan and then through Green Bay and even where he is now in Detroit. I hope you guys enjoyed that timeline that we went through and some of the stories you got to hear there because you really don't get to hear that too much from NFL offensive linemen. I mean, these there's so many guys out there 
who have had great careers, you know, 8, 10, 12 years, Pro Bowls, All-Pros, Super Bowls, and we just never get to hear their story. So I love bringing that out to the light, and, you know, hopefully you guys are enjoying that as well. He's one of the better guards out there to, to watch for coaches, players, scouts, to really see what it looks like to at the highest level. And you could go back to when I started in 2014 uh, on his film at NFL Game Pass and really just study the way he plays the game. I Look at his stance. He has one of the, the cleanest stances you'll see from an NFL offensive lineman. That's what it should look like in terms of fitting the body type of the player, being very smooth and efficient. He's explosive. He plays with that you know that rare competitive toughness that you'd love to see from a blocker up front, which we talked about in the pod, and that's you know partly what he feels like has made his career so successful, and you can really see that on tape. So it's it's pretty cool to do that. Um, but if there's any uh, questions that you guys have moving forward, I would just ask to, to, to leave a review and throw them in there because as we move on, I'm going to be going to the reviews and answering those questions on the podcast. So please leave a review, uh, subscribe if you haven't already. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting into the NFL draft here shortly with you guys, bringing on a guest or two to talk about that. And I promise you'll, you'll enjoy that. We're going to, you know, obviously focus on uh, offensive and defensive linemen, but I'm catching up on my film study really as we speak. So, you know, I have a, a game paused right now. So I'm trying to get some takes, you know, on some of these guys for you. But I promise the guest I have on will have plenty of those for you. And we'll discuss guys and just, you know, O and D line play. So uh, until next week, I'll see you then. Thank you for your time and for listening to the Trench Warfare Podcast.